Hello and welcome. You are listening to the teaching ministry of Coastal Oaks Church in Rockport, Texas. It is our hope that you will be encouraged and that your desire to follow Jesus Christ will be challenged and strengthened as you listen to this podcast. For more information on location, service times, and what to expect on your next visit, go to coastaloakschurch.org. Now, grab your Bible and study along with us as you listen. A little different routine today, no choir today. Our uh, Minister of Music, our choir director, Larry Stewart, is away. It was supposed to be vacation. He ended up in the hospital in Joplin, Missouri. Uh, but he's doing better on antibiotic, and he's out of the hospital, so that's good news. But uh, you be sure and uh, continue to pray for Larry. Uh, and I'm doing my double duty with the bass guitar. I was telling Kelly between our worship team practice this morning and coming back for our connection class that I was struggling with one of the songs on the bass. And, and she said, I sure hope you don't try to learn another instrument. I don't know what she was saying, but uh, I, I told Mike Nickasher one day, I said, you know what, I sure would like to learn to play the bass. So he came to me a couple of months before he was leaving town and said, you're on, buddy. So uh, anyway, pray for Michael that he'll be back soon. I'll fill in for him. Yeah. Uh, open your Bibles to Galatians chapter 1. We begin a new study this morning on, on this incredible New Testament book written by the Apostle Paul to the churches in Galatia in that area of Asia Minor. And we're going to try to work our way through passage by passage, section by section, and look at the incredible truths that are contained uh, in this New Testament letter to one of the churches or the area churches in Asia Minor. I left Sunday morning worship several years back, walked out in the parking lot, and there was a car in the parking lot. It looked like someone was in it. Everybody was gone. The parking lot had emptied, but there was still someone in this car, and it was an old car. had been sitting there a while. So I walked over, and sure enough, there was a guy asleep in his car. And it wasn't one of our members who fell asleep during the sermon. It was someone who'd been out there for quite a while. And I don't know how, but our people just missed him, went right by him. And I walked over and kind of tapped on the window. And he you know, was groggy and looked up and said hi. And I, he rolled down the window. And, or actually, he's was, was halfway rolled down. I can't believe he was in there with him rolled up part of the way. But uh, I guess he didn't want to be bothered. I talked to him for a while. He said his name was Rodney. And, of course, I'm the pastor, so I had to ask him those questions. What's your church background? What's your relationship with the Lord? Where are you in, in regard to eternity? And, and he said, well, he said, I was raised in the church. He said, but it was very legalistic. I was raised with Christian parents, but they were very legalistic. And he said, I don't want anything to do with church anymore. And I tried to explain to him that that really wasn't a good excuse. But he had set his mind against the truth of the word of God because of a... Of a of a background or an understanding of Christianity that was more about rules and regulations than it was about relationship. So probably however long it takes us to get through Galatians, you're going to hear that over and over and over again. That Christianity is not about rules and regulations. It is about a relationship. It's not about religion. It's not about formalities. It is about a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. Basically, that's Galatians, but we're going to talk a whole lot more about it. So, uh, I've given you some space in your outline, and we're going to talk background and then two simple points. But let's look at the text this morning in Galatians chapter 1, just seven verses to springboard into this, what I hope to be a very rewarding study. Paul, an apostle, not sent from men, nor through the agency of man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. 
and all the brethren who are with me to the churches of Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins so that he might rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be glory forevermore. Amen. Paul usually has a longer introduction, a longer greeting, where he waxes eloquent about the greatness of God and the majesty of God, and, and, and like we did at the beginning about how Jesus is our King of Kings. Usually he goes on with some really great theology to encourage the people. But in this passage, in this letter, he jumps right into it. Verse 6. I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which is really not another, only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Paul says in verse 6, I'm amazed that you're so quickly deserting this gospel, this grace that you knew. He is upset, he's wound up, he's fired up, he, he just wants to jump right into it. It's like when you get a phone call and you answer the phone and the person doesn't say hi, they don't say this is so-and-so, they just start firing into whatever it is. And it might be good, good news, it might be bad news, it might be just, just news, but they just don't even bother to take time to say, hi, how are you doing today? I get that sometimes on Sunday morning. <laughs> Instead of, hi, how are you, I get boom, boom, boom with stuff that people have. Well, that's where Paul was. He didn't have time to say hi. He didn't have time to say hello. How's it going in Galatia? He just said, I'm amazed that you have turned back so quickly. A little bit more background now. These churches in Asia Minor, Paul had, had gone through on his first missionary journey and planted these churches there. So these are churches that, that he had birthed, that he had nurtured, and he had gone on to serve in other places. And he grounded them in the truth of the gospel. And he gets news later that they've abandoned that, that they've added some stuff to it. I, I thought about a good analogy might be if you were back in the 1960s and you came to the realization that we really shouldn't be prejudiced against people of color. And so you decided, I'm going to go into, into, the, into my community, and I'm going to say there's no black, there's no white, there's no brown, we're all equal, which is kind of where we should be today in our culture. But in the 60s, that was a, that was a revolutionary message. And, and suppose you were in the 60s and you went into your local drugstore that had the two counters. You had one counter for whites and one for blacks, one water fountain for whites and one for blacks, one uh, restroom for whites and one for blacks. It was all separated. And you went in with this new truth that we're free in Christ. And so what they did, what you would do is you would say, we're going to come all together. And you convince the people that we're one. And you leave. And you find out that after you've left, that someone has come in and they've changed it all back. And you say, you've, you've left this great teaching, this freedom, that we're one, that we're equal. What are you doing? Didn't you get it? That's where Paul is. He comes back to the churches at Galatia, and he says, don't you get it? Don't you get that we're in Christ, that we're free, that you don't have to distort, that you don't have to add to that foundation? So he's passionate about this as he comes to them. Now, there were those in the culture of, of the Galatian churches that were called Judaizers. And what they were, were they were Jews who were so passionate about the law and the Old Testament of Moses, the law of Moses, that they wanted to impose that on believers of that day. They saw themselves as supporting Christianity. They saw themselves as bringing Christianity to a new level by going in and by saying, you need Christ plus the Mosaic law. 
So they thought they were doing a good thing. But Paul says they're really not. It's, it's, it's another gospel that you're teaching. It's another gospel that they're preaching. So he was concerned about that. He goes to them and he says, don't follow what the Judaizers are doing. It was a mixture of law and grace. What they were saying was, you need Jesus plus something else to be either saved or you need Jesus plus something else to be a Christian of the fullest sense. He says it's wrong, it's not true. Let me give you a couple of definitions of legalism as we talk about it through this whole uh, book study of Galatians. Legalism simply, in my definition, is earning God's approval or God's acceptance by following rules. That's a simple way of saying it. There's a whole lot more to it than that. Earning God's approval by following rules or regulations. In Paul's culture, what what legalism was, was it was a system of Christianity that said we are going to accept the grace of Jesus Christ, but we want for a person to be totally committed to Christ, they need to also be committed to the law, to the Old Testament system, to the sacrifices, to the feasts, to the festivals, to all those details of, of the Old Testament law. And what they did is they undermined the sufficiency of Christ. Because here's what they were saying. You need Jesus plus something else. Folks, listen, you don't get anything else. Jesus plus anything else is not grace. See, Jesus plus baptism is not grace. Jesus plus uh, earning a Sunday school pen for being there every Sunday is not grace. Jesus plus being in, in a denomination is not grace. Jesus plus anything else, you're adding to grace. Someone defined grace as God's riches at Christ's expense. I like that. Anything we add to what Jesus has done takes away from the sufficiency of, of the cross of Christ. So Paul is upset about this. He's, he's excited about it. So he's going to them to say, don't follow the teachings of those who add to grace. It, it would be equivalent of a person walking the aisle of the Billy Graham crusade, or now a Franklin Graham crusade, and coming to know Christ and accepting the gift of eternal life, and then the very next thing that they're told, okay, you're almost there. Now you need to become a Lutheran, and then you'll be good. Or you're almost there. Now you need to become a Baptist, and then you're going to really be where you need to be. That's what Paul was running into. He says, no, 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 no. It's Jesus alone. That's the key. That's where the people needed to be. I'm leaving so much good stuff out. We'll pick it up as we go through, okay? Uh, Paul breaks this book down. I don't know if, if uh, intentionally or not intentionally, but the, the first couple of chapters are personal. Then he comes to a, to a doctrinal section and then a practical section. He does that in a lot of his letters. So let's look at our study this morning. Focus on verse 6 and 7, all right? Now I'm going to reverse this and look at verse 7 first. So if you have a problem with that, I'm sorry. It, it made sense to me, okay? Verse 7, listen to verse 7. He says, this is really not another, another gospel. There are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Some are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel. So number one truth, we're going to talk about the issue of salvation, okay? Don't distort the gospel of Christ. Number one, don't distort the gospel. Here's what they were doing. He says, I'm amazed. That, that, that word means I'm totally blown away. That's Kevin's paraphrase of that. That you have so left behind the truth that salvation is by faith, by grace, through faith in Jesus Christ alone. He's saying there can't be two gospels. There can't be one rooted in grace and another rooted in grace plus works. There's only one. 
Hold that place in Galatians 1 and look with me at Ephesians. It's the very next book, chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. Paul again writing about this issue of grace, but I think he says it so well here. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Paul says in this chapter in Ephesians, you're saved by grace through faith, not by yourselves. It's God's gift. Because if, Kevin's paraphrase again, because if you could add to it, if you could make your salvation better by what you did, then you would brag about it. You would boast about it. By grace, through faith, not of works, so that no one can boast. What are works? Works are the things you do to gain God's acceptance and God's approval. He says you have to set those things aside. Verse 10 explains those things come from the heart of a believer as they live out their Christian life. We're created for good works. So I am not using works for my salvation. I am relying on my salvation to produce good works. Does that make sense? That's the root of my salvation. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, the focus there. By grace through faith. Paul says, don't distort the gospel. Back to Galatians chapter 1, verse 7. He says, some are disturbing those in that church by distorting the gospel. Don't do it. By the way, if you want to know if a group is solid in their theology... Ask about Jesus. It may be a new Bible study that started up somewhere. It may be a new church that started up. It may be a new home group. It might be a new mission or a new ministry. First thing you want to ask is, where do you stand on Jesus? Do they see Jesus as God in the flesh? The second person of the Trinity, fully God, fully man. Do they see Jesus as God in the flesh? Do they see his, salva- his work as uh, providing all that's needed for salvation? Most groups that are off of the mainstream Christianity that we would classify as cults, they get off on who Jesus is. They distort the character. We call it in theology the person and the work of Christ. Who is he? What did he do? Paul says these Judaizers, these people that are adding to the gospel, they're distorting the work of Jesus Christ. They're perverting it, some translations say. By the way, that word to distort means to change completely almost to make another. So isn't that interesting? He says, don't take the gospel of God, which is salvation by grace through faith and through the person of Jesus Christ, don't take the gospel of God and make it different, completely different, by adding works to it. Well, it's a strong word that Paul has for them right there. They're confused about it. It would be equivalent of me buying you a gift for your birthday and handing it to you, and then you, you get out your wallet and say, how much do I owe you? Because I, 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 you know, I really appreciate the gift, and I acknowledge that that gift was for me, and you paid for it, but I, I just feel like I need to contribute to this. Would you be offended? I would. I'd take your money, but I'd be offended. <laughs> God, thank you for this salvation, this free gift from you through the person of Christ 
Thank you for this gift of grace. I receive it by faith. And now, Lord, I need to do some stuff to make it even more acceptable. Because, God, I need to prove to you that I really deserve it. Do we? No. That's why it's a gift. See, if you could do anything, anything that would make you acceptable to God so that you could get into heaven, then Jesus Christ died in vain. That's pretty strong, isn't it? Doesn't it make sense that the creator of the universe, if there was some way that you could get into heaven without him becoming man and him giving his life and dying on a cross in the person of his one and only son, doesn't it make sense that if there was another way, he would not have sacrificed his son? If there were any other way. But folks, there is no other way. Paul says, don't distort the gospel. Don't add to it. Don't tell someone you need Jesus plus. You need Jesus plus our denomination. You need Jesus plus this activity. You need Jesus plus this experience. You need Jesus plus being a part of our group. You need Jesus plus our label and whatever. Don't let anyone distort the gospel. I don't know that this is going to happen, but, but when we get into heaven, suppose God were to stand there all the jokes say it's St. Peter at the gate, right? But anyway, because he's given the keys, uh, supposedly. But, but suppose God were to stand there and say to you, why should I let you into heaven? And you're looking at him. And you say, well, um, let me see. Why should I get into heaven? Oh, yeah, because I've accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. That's the only answer. That's the only answer. I don't think he'll ask that, but just think, just imagine with me what if he did. What, what, if, what if the God of the universe who gave his son for you were to say, why should I let you in heaven? And he would say, because I've been a good old boy. I've been really good. I've got, I've got pens to prove it. I've got certificates to prove it. I've been a good, I, ask my wife. She'll say I'm a good old boy. Ask my kids. They'll even vouch for me. Ask my church. They'll vouch for me. I hope. And God would say, all that stuff doesn't make any difference. What have you done with Jesus? What have you done with Jesus? Number one, don't distort the gospel. Did you think I'd ever get to the second point? Number two, don't desert the grace of God. Look at verse six, going backwards. I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel. I believe throughout Galatians, Paul talks about two things. He talks about the root of our salvation, by grace through faith, and he talks about the fruit of our salvation. And, and basically, he wants to say they're both by faith. I believe verse 7 speaks of the gospel of being saved. And verse 6, Paul is alluding to the fact that there's a grace that's been given you that you're to live in, the Christian life. Don't desert that grace. Now, we Baptists, and that's, that's our denomination that we're a part of. If you didn't know that, we're a part of the Southern Baptist Convention. We believe in grace. We believe in grace. We believe saved by grace. Let me tell you something. I've been around my denomination all my life, and there are a whole bunch of us who live saved by grace, kept by works. Can I say that again? 
Some of us live saved by grace, but kept by works. In other words, Lord Jesus, I receive your salvation, but now I've got to keep it by how good I am for you and how pleased you can be with how I perform for you. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that, they're, they're, uh, that the Christian life isn't all about good works. We're going to talk about how we get there. But I'm not supposed to base my approval and my acceptance of God on what I do because that, that fades into the area of legalism. God, I'm saved by grace, but I've got to perform so you'll love me even more. He can't love you any more than he already does. Did you know that? He, you can't make yourself any more acceptable than you are. You know why? Because if you've received Christ as Savior, the blood of Jesus Christ has been applied to your life, and when he looks at you, he sees the righteousness of Christ. Paul says it this way, I'm clothed in the righteousness of Christ. So how do I live my Christian life? It's by grace through faith. You don't desert the grace. Don't desert how you got saved. That's how you live it out day by day. Here's what the Judaizers were doing. Here's what those who were distorting and deserting the gospel. They were pulling people back away from the grace and get, get them, getting them back into the legalistic traditions of Moses. I never thought in my life I would see this, but I've seen it now. There is a great movement out there in Christianity that is taking people with grace taking them back to the law. And here's, they don't say it this way, but here's what they're saying. If you want to be a real Christian, you need Jesus plus the feasts and the festivals and the traditions of Moses. If you want to be really, really tight with God, that's what you need. And people by the thousands are embracing that movement. And Paul says right there, don't do it. Don't desert the grace of God. Don't follow after those who pull you away from Christ. Now, I want us to read uh, Eugene Peterson's translation. Some call it a paraphrase, but he went to the Greek and translated, and this is his wording of uh, chapter 3, the first, I think, three verses. So we're going to put it up on the screen. I just want you to look at this. This is, this is Peterson's uh, translation of what Paul says in chapter 3, and I, I think it, it just nails what, what we're trying to say here. You crazy Galatians, did someone put a hex on you? Have you taken leave of your senses? That's pretty good. Something crazy has happened, for it's obvious that you no longer have the crucified Christ in clear focus in your lives. His sacrifice on the cross was certainly set before you clearly enough. He says it better than I could. He says, let me put this question to you. How did your new life begin? Was it by working your heads off to please God? Or was it by responding to God's message to you? That's the gospel. Are you going to continue this craziness? For only crazy people would think they could compete by their, complete by their own efforts what God was begun by God. If you weren't smart enough or strong enough to begin it, how do you suppose you could perfect it? Well said. Let's be careful, fellow followers of Christ. Those of us who know him, those of us who've received him by grace through faith, let's be careful that we don't try to make it better by our performance. Let's rest in him. Let's let that be the fruit of our lives. Don't distort the gospel. Don't add anything to grace. Don't desert the gospel. Don't desert that grace where you, where you think you can move on in your own efforts, in your own strength.
doesn't work. I remember the first time I moved away from home. It was a long way away, about eight blocks from my parents. I had three buddies that were going to rent a two-story house, and they said, Kevin, we need another roommate. So I was like, uh, let's see. I got a free room and board, roof over my head. I've got kind of a pretty good deal here, but yeah, I'll go join you guys. And so I did. First, you know how that is, first rent check, first utilities, all that stuff. By the way, they called me mom because I was always picking up their junk and telling them to put it in their room and put that away. And, you know, and, the, and now I think about it, it must have been terrible. But I moved away from home. And when I moved away from home, I continued to live the way I had before I moved away from home under my parents' authority. I had the same values. I had the same philosophy of life. The same morals, the same convictions. And my mom and dad didn't drive by there every day and roll down the window and say, Kevin, are you doing this? Are you doing that? Way to go. They didn't knock on the door, came out to check up, white glove. I'm glad they never did that. Y'all, this is an aside. We lived in that house for six months. We never once ran a vacuum cleaner. It was green shag carpet when we moved in. Tall shag. Remember those days? Oh, boy. Oh, wow. It was something. Uh, they didn't stop to check up on us to say he'd vacuum the carpet. That's probably something we let slide we shouldn't have, you think? But most everything else, we were okay. Why? Because, because I had just been raised this way. This is the way you live your life. And it was something ingrained in me. It was something that I, I had accepted. That's who I was. That's the way we live out the gospel. We come to know him by faith. It becomes a part of us. It becomes our life. And then we live it out based on who we are on the inside, not on the external rules that somebody should come back. Well, what a job that would be as a pastor if I got my pen out and my notepad and I followed you all around. How you doing on this one? Ooh, okay. How about that one? Yeah. Hey, I'll be over there next Tuesday. Y'all get it together, okay? Checking up on you. What do we rely on? God's Holy Spirit living in us. It's by grace that we live it out. How are we doing? First question, have you come to know him by faith? By his grace through faith, have you come to know Jesus Christ as personal Savior? If you haven't, that's where you need to start. You might be one of those people who has, has just tried to live a good life and hopefully you get to go to heaven because God will weigh the good stuff against the bad stuff. Have you heard that one? Well, I hope I've done enough good and God will let me in. It's not the way it works. Jesus said, I am the only way. He says, no one, John, in John 14, no one comes to the Father except by me. So number one, if you haven't trusted him by faith and you're trying to work your way to heaven, give it up. Come to him by faith and receive him as Savior. Number two, are you a Christian and you're still trying to perform for God's approval? Step back. And live the Christian life by grace through faith. Let's pray together.